I don't think it would be good for my dentist to know how many peppermints I eat on a daily basis. And I'm guessing yours is quadruple my intake. Absolutely. You know those huge bowls, fish bowls? bowls. Full of peppermints throughout the funeral homes. And I have them in my office. And I, I don't eat them at my office, but I eat them when I'm here. People love them. My microphone loves it. I know. Don't your face and nose love it too, though? I have always had an extreme sensitivity because of the nature of the work that I've always done, being with people in close proximity, that I do not want to be offensive. So I like to have peppermints or gum at all times. So that they go ahead and take it themselves without you offering it. No, I mean so that I'm not offering them the worst of myself. Oh, I thought you were just saying that. I thought you were just saying that. People have really nasty breath. No, no, no. Meaning I don't want to. I don't care what they do. I, but I don't want to. You don't want someone, you know, no one's going to come want to come to talk to somebody about their sadness if they are repelled by the <laughs> aromas and odors in their office. <laughs> and they can just be saddened even more by your dirty breath. I'm great. <laughs> nope. Because I'm full of peppermints and cavities, but I drill those out myself. So I'm good. always talking about how we're going to die trying being better versions of ourselves. Let's be very, very honest right now. We are going to die. We, uh, you and I are constantly around loss, loss of life, uh, loss of relationship, and of course, even loss of property, grief everywhere. And, and when I think of all those things, we have to think of someone or something that's going to protect us and those we love. Someone that I think of is Robert Edge with Kentucky Farm Bureau Insurance. Right here in our community, always ready to serve. He's an agent, he's big on commitment, and he is committed to my family, personally and professionally. If you're thinking of insurance, if you're thinking of home, auto, life, think no other or no further than Robert Edge with Kentucky Farm Bureau Insurance. Call Robert at 270-929-4215. Welcome to You'll Die Trying. My name is Jonathan Carroll. I'm Nathan Morris. Thank you so much for joining us today, tonight. We couldn't be more grateful for you joining us this morning and this afternoon. And this evening. Favorite quote that I'm contemplating by Don Miguel Ruiz, author of The Four Agreements. I want to talk a little bit about The Four Agreements. Okay. Quotation, though, by him, death is not the biggest fear we have. Our biggest fear is taking the risk to be alive. The risk to be alive and to express who we really are. Mm, I love it. Stand in the light and be seen as we are. I love it. Love it. So here's a call to authenticity, a call to exacting risk from the white-knuckled grip of our fear of vulnerability. I think that it is far better to live fully than to uh, do what else we've been doing with our time. Not living fully. Have you ever read The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz? No, but I want to now. Uh, he is Don Miguel Ruiz. Actually, his that's not his birth name. It's a pseudonym. Pseudonym meaning false name. It's what people write under sometimes. Would Ariana Grande have a false name, even though her last name is actually Grand? 
It's not a false name, not a pseudonym per se. It's just, uh, I think that would be called the Mandela effect, which is uh, people have all agreed that that's what it is when really it isn't. Oh, me. I thought I'd bring my brilliance to this conversation early on. <laughs> uh, Don Miguel Ruiz is a Mexican author and he wrote uh, The Four Agreements and it's um, sold like seven and a half million copies, which it's getting close to the number of listeners we have for our podcast. Right. Started in 1997, original publication has been published and translated in 40 languages. Four agreements. It advocates personal freedom from beliefs and agreements that we have made with ourselves and others that are creating limitation and unhappiness in our lives. So here are the four agreements. Number one, be impeccable with your word. We'll come back around to these because I think there's a, a, a subject matter that we need to talk about. And we can use these as the lens through which we talk about it. Okay. Be impeccable with your word. Number two, don't take anything personally. That sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Number three, don't make assumptions. And four, always do your best. So we were talking earlier about your wanting us to discuss the topic of being off feeling off say some more about that you know the rut you know the ruts that are made whenever they're getting ready to plant corn and you ride your bike as a kid in there and then like you get going too fast and then you start like sliding all over the place that's kind of how sometimes people feel throughout a day afternoon evening they can't get out of that they're stuck in this they can't perform well enough or they they do perform and it's just ridiculously subpar and it can't go right that's that's kind of, I had a couple of those. We've probably had a couple of those episodes even, let's be honest, where they're not as oh yeah high-performing as. and Oh, think about the, the most uh, well-known and uh, accomplished athletes and musicians. Not every shot, not every piece is performed perfectly. It can't be. Right. I was just thinking about that today before we recorded. I was like, man, being off is not fun. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. So, All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Do you want me to talk about being off? Is that what you're... Sure. <laughs> you raised your eyebrows. It was one of those like, okay, tell me about how terrible you are today. I want to hear you talk about being off. I, I, I haven't been off today per se, I don't think. I think I've been pretty on today. Like I'm just I'm getting it, you know, like we have some policies here at the funeral home that are changing, some responsibilities and roles that are changing and shifting. And so we go in there today and we're just tackling it head on. And I was... I feel really good about that, but if I were being off that day, then it would have probably been affected by my performance, you know? My performance would have been affected been affected by how I, f- I felt. Yeah. So being off just is, creates a feeling of, I don't know, right? So then it just affects everything. I think we all have off days. Yeah. To all you listeners out there, uh, unless you're driving, eating, putting on makeup, and texting, don't do this, but raise your hand if you've ever had an off day. I'm raising my hand. My hand is up. Yep. And you know what? I think that we have to know crooked in order to know straight. I have to. I think we have to know dark in order to know light. I think we have to know off in order to know on. The question for me isn't how to um, get back on as much as it is how to appreciate being off. Is that a weird way to approach it? That's kind of how I think. How can I befriend the offness? Yeah, how can you befriend the offness? I don't like being off. It's not fun. You know, we expect so much of ourselves, right? Yeah. So it's when you veer off that path a little bit, you're like, oh, you idiot. Yeah. I do. So what is the what is being off mean to us? 
What's the challenge? Is it that we didn't ring the bell today as hard and as thoroughly as we rung it yesterday and as we might tomorrow? Is it that somebody else is seeing us and seeing offness and we're responding to that and feeling inadequate or feeling like a failure? Like what, what's, what, let me ask you this, what's wrong with being off? Nothing. (laughs) Really, there's nothing (laughs) wrong with being off. All right. That's honest. Yeah, there's not. Well, let's talk about though, even though we know there's nothing wrong with being off and sometimes being off is what we most need, right? It gets us, it's a different place. Even if we are sliding into that rut you just described earlier, that place offers us an opportunity to get perspective. Mm -hmm. So I might be lower. I might be stuck. I might be in a rough patch. Do I not, if I'm paying attention, have the opportunity to get some perspective from that place? That's the beautiful thing about perspective is no matter where you are, there it is. Perspective. Mm. So from an off day... What is some perspective? So we were having conversations earlier, business-related conversations about some of our staff, and and, and some of them were saying, gosh, you know what? I'm just not hitting all the cylinders today. Uh, It's just not a good day. It's an off day. Okay. Own it. Good for you. It's good that you know that. What's off about it? Well, this, that. And how much of that has to do with you? Actually, probably not very much in this case had to do with that person, had to do with external circumstances. So what do we do? We address those circumstances. They're uncomfortable. They're conflictual but they're not bad. And there's been some positive things that have happened as a result of having to get on top of that. And we wouldn't have been able to get on top of that had it not been for that offness. Right. So it's a cycle. Right. So being off is fine. So now we can end the podcast. Okay. Thanks for listening, yeah. everyone. This is You'll Die Trying. Yeah. See you guys. I want to talk though about mo- motivation um, and passion and desire. And I want to refer to it, if I might, as mojo. Now, let me push pause here and address... Um, uh, a comment. The comment is not a concern, but it was a comment. And it was made in good, honest uh, affirmation that this podcast speaks primarily to a male audience. Hmm. I hadn't thought of it. I hadn't either. Because neither of us is male, at least not fully. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? Well, I think we're fairly... Well-adjusted 21st century men who right. have wives and people in our lives who are female, and I think we do try to take into consideration the a feminine perspective. I mean, I know that when I watch This Is Us, I cry every time. There's <laughs> you would. I do. You would. Are you kidding? Gosh. Absolutely. I watched A Star Is Born, bald my eyes out. Wow. Yeah, I'm a crier. You know that. <laughs> You amaze me at what you cry about. So I'm in touch with certain aspects of my my life and my heart, my being. That's, you know, I think from the feminine. I don't think that we are 100% male or 100% female. And I think people who are religious practitioners do tend to remember that, like, for instance, Jesus was born of a woman and was born a man embodying masculinity and femininity. And we all have both of those things. I mean, these are social constructs that we've devised to talk about differences, but we don't have to talk about them as if they're, you know, night and, and, and day or dark and light. We're just, I think we're in amalgam of various aspects of, of those things. And I want to make sure that as podcasters, we are attending to a full range, wide breadth scope of listenership. So I think if there are women out there who feel like we're excluding you, we want to know about it. We want to fix it. Hey, I want to acknowledge this. I think I did mention it and just kind of very much skate by it quickly. But 
80 plus percent of people going into mortuary school and coming out of mortuary school and becoming uh, funeral directors, funeral directors and bombers are female. Uh, females are are most certainly they're killing it in this profession because they have this ability to 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 be sensitive, more sensitive. They're natural nurturers. Uh, they're Candy. more yeah. yes. So that's pretty awesome in itself. I mean, I had a call today from someone wanting to to submit their resume. A female uh, yesterday had a female call. Totally different person. Totally different part of the state. It's it's awesome. So kudos to you women. This has been a, a man's world, the funeral profession, for the longest of time. And now there's these women that are coming in and, and showing all of us up. We are in full support, yes. Nathan and I, of, of radical inclusion of, of all persons mm-hmm. uh, for, for everything and every reason, which is wonderful. But I, So I don't think mojo is a masculine characteristic at all. Right. I think passion and motivation and desire are human attributes and human characteristics. And so mojo is a human driver. And I want to know what you think, Nathan, and I'll think with you, how does somebody who might be experiencing not an off day, but an off season, Mm -hmm. an off year, how does somebody get her mojo back? That is really interesting because last night on a Facebook status, I saw come across my news feed. This person said, I can't wait for 2018 to be over with. It was filled with just so much off and, you know, disappointments and I can't wait for 2019. Wow. That's like really, think about that. You are wishing essentially away an entire year so that you can kind of start anew. Yeah. Well, it's sad. It tells you something about what they've been experiencing. This year has not been kind to them. The thing is years, these days and these um, calendar numbers, these are arbitrary. You know, there's no such thing as next year. There's there's right now, right, and then there's the right now after that. And I wish for whoever that was that posted that. I I hope that today began 2019 for them. I hope they're listening and that they know that you know they can start anew right this very moment, like you just said. And I think that answers your question. Like, how do they get? How do you get your mojo back? I think it is a conscious decision to acknowledge. You know, to name it, you talk about that a lot. We talk about naming, naming it right engaging, now. Engaging, unmasking. Yeah, This absolutely. is terrible. This moment absolutely stinks. Yep, it does. Name the moment. Acknowledge yep. the moment. Tell somebody about it and kind of find an accountability partner. Maybe start there. Maybe say, hey, I'm not going to bottle this up. I'm not going to keep this to myself because that makes me quote unquote weak. I'm using my air quotes again. That makes me, uh, you know, not capable. I don't know. Whatever you want to say excuse wise it's yeah. unnecessary let's start here in this moment say this is terrible let's go i think we all would be amazed if we all knew how many people feel like they have so few friends with whom to talk about these things and to talk like this i've heard numerous people say i don't have anybody to talk to i'm like what vulnerability what? is the here, issue I'm, i'll be glad to listen sure i will listen to you and help if i can right. i'll just listen i think people need to just be heard they do, but right. they they don't know that there's someone to hear them. And the truth is that we live in a fairly judgmental context. Uh, people do tend to judge. They say that they don't, and it's what, it's like that. You know, the people who are like, "Trust me, trust me." It's like, okay, <laughs> I'm definitely not trusting you. Trust me, do not trust them. So when you hear someone say, "Listen, I'm not a judger," you know, that's. That could be projection. If it's true that 70% of what we say is projection, you know, where we're saying something about ourselves but true about someone else, it's probably likely that they're I just carry around confidentiality agreements. 
<laughs> non-disclosure, non-disclosure everything nonstop. No. <laughs> well, I think that it requires change. I think in order for us to get out of the rut, up on the grass, in the light, in a new place to get our mojo back and get back on again, I think it requires change. And I have uh, a few ideas about some things that we might need to change in order to get back on, to get our mojo back. First Share one, me. change your view. Literally get out from the place where you typically are. You know, if you are, uh, if you are a cubicle worker, you got to get out from the, the gray walls, you know, the uh, the felt cemeteries that are the cubicle world. I mean, they're good good places, grateful for people to have work and places to work, but they can be pretty loathsome. We've got to get outside. We always tell our kids, not just because we want them to go away, but because we know it's good for them, go outside. You know, we have to take our own advice. So uh, what if you switched it up? What if 5% of your work week you did in a different place? I try to do that, actually. Two hours out of a 40-hour period. If you took calls while you're on a walk, um, if you analyzed a spreadsheet from a picnic table somewhere outside, if you um, were required to look at a Word or Excel document from the lobby of a, of a museum, why not? You're being productive. You're getting your work done. You're in a different space. Change your view. It's one surefire way to get your mojo back. Do you know how to navigate through Excel pretty well? Absolutely not. Okay, I was going to say, I don't, I was listening to Brandy and, and Lisa, both were talking about, yeah, you can search, you can search the date, you can search, I'm like, I have no idea. Brand, have you seen Brandy's Excel spreadsheet? Brandy has spreadsheets, organizing her spreadsheets. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah I've seen I've seen them a lot. Pretty amazing. She's like, I made this spreadsheet. And I was like, my, my wife can create an Excel spreadsheet with like 30 columns and 60 formulas, some of which are complex, like differential equations, you know, before I've had coffee, like 10 minutes. Can she really? Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, she just, she's great. Joy. We're going to quiz her on that when she's, uh, when she's here. That'll be good. Yeah. Okay. That's the first change. Change your view. Another one, very obvious one. Love to hear your thoughts on this. Change your attitude. Attitude of gratitude. You ever heard someone say, I'll believe it when I see it? Yes. I think it's true that you'll see it when you believe it. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I think we will see it when we believe it. Yeah. Yeah, you blew my mind for a second. I was like, uh, but I get it. It's very true. You yeah, know? we've got to change our attitude. We have to be more positive. We have to set small incremental goals. We've got to figure out stages of the process, sometimes work in reverse, where do we want to go and how do we get there? Whatever we have to do, do it, but we have to do it by manifesting a different attitude. I'm a big believer you speak it into existence. So if you say it, it's going to happen. Or if you say it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. I mean, I... I actually said today to someone, I don't fail. Yeah. I did. I told Janice, I was like, well, we're fine. I don't fail. Yeah. No, we don't fail. I mean, this this is part of the, I think, uh, underlying infrastructure of this very podcast is that, you know, here are two people who are talking about what it means to live a life of meaning, recognizing that success and failure are dancing partners and that there isn't really any real success because we're always moving and there isn't any real failure because that's just another opportunity that we can rule out in, in uh, our drive to Absolutely. arrive somewhere else. Absolutely correct, man. Yeah. So different view, different attitudes. I think also we need to change our patterns. Patterns that break make space for new worlds to be born. Yep. I think we have to break our patterns. I agree. I stopped biting my nails when I started working here at the funeral home and working in the prep room. I bet that was smart, wasn't it? 
I think it's, yeah, that's good. <laughs> it's that's really good. smart. Makes me realize. Stupid that. example. However, it, you know, I get up early. I get up an hour early, earlier. Yeah. That was I you breaking a pattern. Broke a pattern because think about this. So 365 extra hours throughout the year. So I don't know what that equates to. How many more, da- how many days do I have extra a year? How many hours? 365 extra yeah. day uh, hours. Right. So you can do the math there on your telephone if you can think of it. 365. And, yep. And I get up. Divided by 24. Mm-hmm. That is an extra 15 days. I have an extra 15 days a year because I get up one extra hour early. I'm ready. I have the coffee on by the time that Megan, you know, gets up. Uh, she's, you know, she's up and down with the kids all the time anyway, so I'll let her sleep in. And, I, you know, it's, it's awesome. I mean, my whole entire day, I get like five extra things done in that extra hour. That's I'm like, awesome. It's awesome. So an extra 15 days, I get. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. Change your patterns. So if you are used to going to the gym in the morning, try going a different time of day. If you're used to sitting on one side of your desk, sit on the other side. If you're used to uh, going to a certain restaurant at a certain time for lunch, go farther to another one at a different time. Whatever you have to do to change your pattern, it gives you a different, you guessed it, perspective. And with new view, new attitude, new patterns, perspective changes everything. Did you rearrange your room as a kid? I con- I rearrange every room all the time. My clients Even, are always frustrated. You do rearrange your office too. Absolutely. But as a kid, that's what I always did. I was rearranging my room all the time. We had these two twin beds in there. We had this really long bedroom and John and I shared this room and we one day we're like, let's change it. And we change it nonstop all the time. And it gives us, it gave us a different perspective, a different place to play, a different way in which to play. And I think there's something to be said as an adult, just because you're an adult doesn't mean you can not have a different fun perspective. Well, I want to actually say a word about that. I think adults don't play enough, and I think that's part of the problem why we're so stressed out, according to quote the philosopher's 21 pilots. I think that we have to play more. I think people need to uh, break out puzzles. You know, at our house, my wife loves puzzles. If that's not your thing, fine. What is Sudoku, crosswords, uh, Play-Doh, sculpting, play play a board game. You know, can, do, you do, can you do Sudoku? I just learned how to say it, so I don't. I can't even do it. So can well, you I'm gonna I'm gonna give you one guess about whether I can do Sudoku. Yes. No. <laughs> but we're best friends. That you should have went with that. But the truth is, no. <laughs> it involves numbers, and I don't understand it. And my numbers and me, they just we just ridiculous. We, we don't get along. <sighs> change your patterns. Change your attitudes. Change your views. How about this? This is something that you do, and I think those of you who are listening, you all know a little bit about this. Change your priorities. Well, that's, that's a sticky wicket right there. Nope. That's touch and go. You don't change your priorities. There's only one There's priority. only one. Referencing a previous podcast, what happened to the word priority? It became uh, in the 1920s, right? Yeah. They added the, they made it plural, thinking that... So American. Yeah. Yep, we did it. But now that we have it, let's accept it. We have many first things, things that we commit to, things that we believe in, things that we think are our priority. Change them. What are some of your? What is? What is one of your priorities? I, here, I'll, I'll. I can kind of simplify my priority, and then I can do sub, like sub places. What? Yeah. What? <laughs> my priority in life is to leave a mark. Okay. Okay. Leave a mark on this world. Be remembered for good. So, how do I do that? Well, love my wife. My wife is my priority in loving her. My children, raising them right, having someone like yesterday come up to me and say, wow, your children are so well behaved. Thank you. 
awesome. We're on the right track there. That's a priority of mine. Good. So there you go. Leaving a mark. How else is that? Let's talk about work being the absolute most exceptional leader and, and funeral director and, and community advocate that I can possibly be. I mean, that, the list goes on and on, but it always falls under leave a mark. And that mark meaning a positive mark, of course. Okay. So there mm-hmm. you go. What's yours? Priority. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to be the most patient and the least anxious person in any in whatever room I'm in. In the pl- on the planet. In whatever room I'm in. Oh, okay. I'm certain that there are people who are better at being, um, you know, I, w- I won't say non-anxious because there's no, no such thing. But uh, I want to be the least anxious person. Uh, wherever I am. I've only seen you anxious one time is when you were texting me about the podcast. <laughs> you, <laughs> Not all anxiety is stressful. Uh, Some of it was life-giving. Yeah, it was life-giving. It wasn't. I've never seen you negatively anxious. It happens from time to time, as we've talked previously, where time is concerned, you know, being late to things. I don't want to be late to things. But in general, I want to be the least anxious person. And, and why that's so important to me is because I think that means I am more present to people predominantly. I mean, my wife and my children and my extended family, my friends and the people with whom I work and share my life every day. I want to be present. And and when I'm in a frenzy, I'm not present. When I'm chaotic, I can tend to be reactive. Uh, when things are hectic, I don't do my best thinking. So by remaining the least anxious person, every relationship, every decision, every situation in which I find myself and conversation which I share will be positively affected. So for me, a priority is to be the least anxious person in the room. Were you anxious feeling whenever I was staring at you out the window and you're on the phone pacing back and forth, that hole in the in the grass the other no, day? I wasn't anxious. <laughs> I knew you were being patient. You were patient. Even pacing. though you were waiting for me. And I know you no, no, no. You were, being, you were pacing back and forth. I was just watching because it was really interesting to watch you pace back and forth. Like you made 25 hot laps in that like three foot of space. Yeah. And I'm not wearing a Fitbit. <laughs> So I have no idea whether that benefits me it, at all. It doesn't. Benefit, but wait a minute. You're welcome, wow. marketing people at Nike. <laughs> You're welcome. Wow. Is it Nike? I don't know. I thought Fitbit was Fitbit. I think Nike bought them. Are you positive? I have absolutely not. I'm going to Google it. While you do, let me go to another change that will help you get out of your uh, out of your rut and into a better mojo spot. I think we should change our mentors. Oh, So for those of you who are mentors, consider pushing the people whom you mentor, your mentees, in a new direction. As we've said before, we can only take people as far as we've been ourselves willing to go. And I think everybody reaches a limit. And I'm I'm quick to encourage people um, that, you know, I I think I've been able to do what I've been able to do. There might be someone with a different perspective, and maybe that's, that's what you need. Change your mentors. Whom do you look up to? And do you know that the best of the best of the best of the best have themselves had mentors and probably at some point made an effort to keep that relationship active and then finally pushed themselves to another spot, got out to the edge and realized I've I've gone as far as we can go together. I'm going to go the next way. And I want to thank you. It's like the Moses, um, you know, syndrome. Moses stops and uh, the next generation moves on. I wonder who James Park and Eric Friedman's mentors are because they do own Fitbit and Fitbit is not owned by Nike and we will never, ever be their mentors. (laughs) 
they don't like us anymore. Sorry, guys. We're going to reach out to them and invite them to listen to our podcast. We absolutely will. Just like we reached out to Marcus Lamonas, who did respond on Instagram. Yeah. Hey, Marcus, thanks for, for listening to the podcast. And we really would love to take you to Holiday World. That'd be fun. I want to interview him. I do too. I mean, he'd be super intense. His microphone would catch on fire. I think he's just, uh, he just knows what he's talking about. He really does. Not only our mentors should we shift, uh, I think that we should also change our friends. I did that. The people with whom you surround yourself heavily influence you. And if you're lacking motivation and feeling stuck, it might be time to upgrade your sphere of influence. I don't think I change, just changing friends, meaning just letting them go. No, I think it means putting maybe more emphasis and time spent in in quality context with a particular group differently than maybe you have in the past. I don't think this, I'm not talking about cutting off from people. Got it. Well, I've had to, that's what I was referring to when I said I've done that. I, I have not changed my friends then. I need to, that's a good thought. Good idea. I mean, because if you have a small circle of friends, a sphere of influence, there are probably people with whom you spend most of your time because they're very familiar. Oftentimes... Uh, familiar breeds familiarity. And so if there's any, for instance, negativity or stuckness among your friend group, then that stuckness breeds stuckness. Negativity breeds negativity. So I think it's important for us to say, I'm going to shift my focus and concentrate my gaze in another corner of my sphere of influence and start spending some time over here. Because if negativity breeds negativity, guess what positivity breeds? Positivity. So it's good for us to kind of move in that direction. Yeah. Friends are not meant to be taken advantage of, but the connections will rub off on us. And so if we're feeling stuck, I think we should move in a different direction. This is important really for people who have dealt with addictions. One of the first things they learn is a very difficult, very difficult thing to learn. Some never do. And it ends up being quite literally the death of them sometimes. You have to cut off from people who adversely affect your sobriety. So take that and... and um, you know, spread it out throughout your entire life. It's not necessarily sobriety. It could be success. Are there people who are threatening, who are challenging, who are hindering or hampering your efforts for forward progress? And maybe it's time to spend more time with someone else. Wow. Remember, your net worth is the average of that of your five closest friends, and we are most likely the average of our five closest friends. So when you hang out with people who are positive, striving for improvement, self-actualization, and success, you elevate your game. Choose wisely, my friends. Choose wisely, my friends. I like, you know, we talked about this previously in that podcast when I said I'm pretty pleased to be the average of my friends. And I think you said, what did you say? I said, I'm glad that you are pleased to be the average of your friends. Are you positive you said that? Positive. Always positive. Because that's a safe answer. <laughs> no, I'm, I really... Oh, no, no, no. Not, yeah, it's great I like being, being positive. Po- no, that's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I hate being positive. Just no, I a said... Safe yeah, I said, I think that's absolutely true. I think that's actually I'm, I, I'm the one who kind of brings the average down is my guess. Like there's always somebody who has to bring... If you have a, yeah, you an average of 98, that means you've got a couple of 92s in there and a couple of 104s. And I think I'm probably... <laughs> On that, maybe that lower level. Sorry to all you, my friends out there. Okay. Uh, a final thing to think about changing. Should we have a quiz? Should I ask you to Your socks. recite all the things that we've talked about changing? Don't, don't, don't do that to me. I would never. Thank you. Your view, your attitude, your, your patterns, mojo. your priorities, your mentors, your friends, and your thoughts. Change your thoughts. You are what you think about.
I love that. I love that. People thought I was out of my mind. I've I've always been a positive thinker. Always. Yeah. If I say uh, the, I think back, you know, the record on the wall. Like I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna produce self produce a record, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be signed, and we're gonna do this, and we're gonna do that. I've done everything I thought I was gonna do. Yeah. Doesn't mean I'm not bragging. I'm not. My point is, people, if you think it, it will be. True story. What would you do next if you knew there was no way you could fail? Me personally? Yeah. Ooh. I can't say it. Oh, it's 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 it, really it's big. It's not for public no, no, consumption. No, no, no. It is for public consumption, but it's literally it's You mean if you say it you might speak it in and manifest it too early? Like it It's it's I don't know, maybe. Okay. It's I don't think it's time yet, Hold but it will that, happen. But you know what it is. I know exactly what it is. All right. And I got, I'm itchy right now in <laughs> excitement. <laughs> That's very exciting. Yes, I, I, I genuinely believe, and I think that this is so important, and this is probably one of the most important, this, this is the most passionate I've been on the podcast. Like, yeah. If you really want something, if you really, really want it, and you think it, and you actually, your thinking becomes act, your actions become results, results become the, the thing, it will happen. No doubt in my mind. I'll put my life on it. I hear it. That's beautiful. I love it, man. Yeah. You know I'm a passionate dude. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I'll tell you after we stop recording. It takes work. You already know what it is. It takes work. We have to stay after it. Yeah. So I think uh, to summarize and to come back around full circle on those changes that I think if we were to make, we would get something of our mojo back. And of course, it's like losing weight or gaining muscle. Whenever you see a little bit of change, it, it absolutely inspires and motivates you to keep going, right? So all those changes that we've just talked about, incorporating those, but doing them through the lens of these four agreements that Don Miguel Ruiz writes in the book aptly titled The Four Agreements. Number one, be impeccable with your word. Number two, don't take anything personally. Number three, don't make assumptions. And number four, always do your best. To you, what does it mean, Nathan, for you to be impeccable with your word? If you say it, mean it. If you say you'll do it, do it. Absolutely. Be your word. Your word is all you have. Granddad said your word is gold. That's right. Don't take anything personally, even if it's intended to be taken personally. Don't own it. Don't claim it. Don't give it any power. Don't give it any soil to grow in. Don't give it any food. Don't water it. It isn't meant for you. If it doesn't build you up, let it go. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I will have uh, children in my practice uh, who have experienced bullying, which I'm speaking of passionate. I'm passionately uh, engaged in the uh, in the anti-bullying conversation. And I have these little foam balls and these balls represent things that people have said to these kids or names that these kids have been called. And so I'll tell them, like, tell me something that someone has said to you that hurt you. And they'll say it. And as they do, I'll toss one of these Nerf uh, foam balls to them. And I'll say, okay, say another one. And I'll toss another one. And, I, and they get into it and they just start saying all these terrible things that people have said to them. And I'm just tossing these little foam balls at them, you know, to, to, uh, kind of brushing against their arm, their knee. And they, they roll right off. They roll into the rug and they roll under the sofa. They roll to the door. They're all of them just kind of scattered. Not one of them lands on them as a way of letting them know you are not what people say you are. You are you. You are who you say you are. And nothing that anybody says about you or to you has the power to stick on you or hurt you unless you give it that power. So let it roll away. Quickly forget it. Let it do no harm. 
and you're the one who has the power. And that ultimately is what most frustrates the bully is when they feel like they're losing power. So will it ramp up? Absolutely. But you haven't give, you're not going to give it any more power. It's very crucial that people recognize that taking things personally empowers others and disempowers ourselves. Don't take anything personally. The third of the four agreements is not to make assumptions. Why is that so important? Well, you know how the saying goes, make an ass of you and me. Half the time you're wrong. Yeah. (laughs) We build this story, this massive story. Like (laughs) whenever I get Janice, who's in accounting with us and does a lot of our receivables and payables, she'll text me and she'll say, can you call me please? Question mark. And I'm like, ah, I'm, the, I'm one of the bosses and I'm freaking out that Janice is asking. She just had a question. She just had a question about an invoice. That's it. But yeah, yeah I, you assume the, and even you, when you assume, you assume the worst anyway, right? Uh, we tend to. Always. Yeah. I think we always do better to ask questions. I will say it. I've said it before. I'll say it again. To be a leader, to be a leader in business, to be a business owner, to be an entrepreneur, to be a manager of peoples, to be a human being. We have to remain passionately and intellectually curious. Rather than make assumptions, which I think is lazy, we should ask questions, which I think is difficult. And just because it's hard doesn't mean it's bad. Almost always, the harder way is the righter way. So ask questions. Communicate as clearly as you can to avoid the misunderstandings and the opinions and the actions of other people so that you don't have to be the victim of needless suffering that assumption brings. Finally, always do your best. That's going to change from moment to moment, right? It will be different when you are healthy as opposed to when you are sick. If you are not feeling well, your best is different than it was when you were you're you're hitting on all cylinders. Be patient with yourself and simply do your best. Avoid self-judgment, avoid self-neglect, avoid self-abuse, avoid regret. Do your best given what you have where you are. I like that. Do your best, forget the rest. And be positive. Another thing I do for children who tend to be in a negative mindset is I give them a Kleenex and I ask a tissue and I ask them to hold it and to extend their arm out in front of them all the way and just to hold the tissue. And I ask them if it's heavy and they're like, no, not at all. I say, well, just hold it there. Let's keep talking. And we'll talk in about two minutes. You'll see them start to kind of adjust their shoulder and I'll remind them, oh, no, no, no. Just keep your arm straight out. About five minutes in, you'll see their arm just start to kind of lagging. I'm like, no, 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 don't forget. You had to hold it because you said it wasn't heavy, which I'm glad. So just hold it straight out. So six or seven minutes in, maybe sometimes 10 minutes in, they're just like, oh, they can't do it. They drop their arm. They're rubbing their shoulder. I said, I thought you said it wasn't heavy. And they're like, it wasn't heavy. And I said, right until you held it for so long. And then it becomes something you can't hold anymore. That's how negativity works for all of us. It feels like nothing. That's nothing. No big deal. But I hold on to it long enough. And all of a sudden, I can't do it anymore. Everything starts to hurt. And I'm not, I'm not even able to function. We need to let things go. Let it go. That's awesome. I want to say thank you to you, Nathan, for bringing this topic to us uh, about getting back on and understanding what it means to be off and trying to get our mojo back for men and women, teenagers and children alike, all of you who are listening. There are things that you can do. And like Nathan said, it is a conscious choice. Everything in life is a choice. I choose every day to be the best version I can be. And I choose to acknowledge you, Dr. J. Thank you for all that you do and that you bring to this podcast, but also to the communities in which you're serving. I appreciate it. I appreciate your insight. And uh, to you who are listening, please do your best. Do your best. Don't be so hard on yourself. Be kind to yourself and definitely be kind to others. 
We want to hear from you, our listeners, whom we uh, appreciate and respect so very much about things that you would like for us to discuss. We are so grateful to have already heard from some of you. Please continue to keep those comments coming. I want to let you know a special gift is coming too. Our next episode, episode 20, marks a major uh, milestone for us as Nathan cheers as the crowd. And we have a surprise, and I think you're going to want to uh, to listen in. So be sure to check us out for episode 20. 2020. Until then, seriously, thank you so very much for listening. Uh, You honor us and you're loved more than you know.